other name but the name of Jesus, where man, by, you can be saved. Uh, men have tried to come up with other ways, but there is no other way. The Bible says that if you try to go in any other way, you're the same as a thief and a robber. And they have no part in the kingdom of heaven. So trust Christ. Trust him now and don't delay. It's 2018. How many of you have already made a mistake and wrote 17? Any of you? Okay. Not as many checks are written now, you know. Some people don't even know what a checking account is. Uh, it's where you put your money and you take it out with a debit card. Uh, it's a debit account, I guess, now, having to change names. But anyway, it's 2018, and I want to share a message today about mountain climbing. I think everybody ought to have lessons in mountain climbing. I really do. And the expert in that field you'll find in the Old Testament, his name is Caleb. And uh, you'll find this in Numbers chapters 13 and 14, but as you're turning there, I want to tell you a story about my mountain climbing in our family. Uh, our son, one of our sons, lived out in Colorado. Matthew, our middle one, he's lived a lot of places. But uh, anyway, he was out there, and our oldest son uh, and Jan and myself, we went out to see him, and we were visiting in Colorado Springs. And, uh, and then we drove up to Denver and went to the Rocky Mountain National Park. Any of you, how many of you have been to the Rocky Mountain National Park? It is a beautiful site. If you can get out that way, go, go do this. But anyway, our son, Nathan, had, had been reading a book, uh, basically, about men not being wimps. You know? And uh, it was a good book. Uh, Jan has her issues with it, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it, but it's uh, a book, and it's talking about men being men, because, uh, you know, the feminizing of men is a reality. Uh, they, they wanted to make men less than what they are. Uh, John Wayne, is a, he's, a, he's a good role model for his being a man. And uh, I knew I'd get an amen out of Jonathan Coker on John Wayne. I knew that. I was waiting on it. You didn't disappoint me. But anyway, Nathan had read this book, and his brother Matthew, he's the, one, he's the great adventurer. And so he just knew Matthew would want to climb this mountain with him. But Matthew had hurt his knee uh, when he lived in Vermont. Before he moved to Colorado, he had hurt his knee and hadn't gotten over it. And he said, Man, Nathan, I can't do it. Nathan says, well, I'm going to do it. So we got out, and uh, he's, Nathan starts climbing. It, it is pretty big, okay? And it's rocky. It's not our kind of hills or what we call mountains anyway. And so he gets to the top. He makes it to the top. And he's up there, and he's doing it this and giving it that. And, man, we're down there looking at him. He made it. Now it's time to come down. But he decides to come down a different way than what he went up. So he starts coming down, and he sees a ledge down here. And he gets on this ledge way down, a lot further than that. And there he is. It's too far to go back. And he has nothing to hold on to get to the next ledge. And he is stuck. And, I mean, he's out there on the sledge up there. His mom's looking at him. I'm looking at him. And we're wondering what's going on. And this little Asian girl, lady, came by and says, who 
Who's the fool? Look at the fool. He has no coat. He has, has no rope. Who, you know, and Jan wanted to say, he's my fool. Okay, no, she didn't. So Jan gets on the phone and calls the park ranger. And I think he was expecting him to be 12 years old. How old is he? Well, he's 22. Was he 22 at that? 23? Huh? 30? Oh, okay. Oh! And uh, he says, in the park range, was it a female? No, it was a, it was a male at least. Calling and says, well, he's older than me. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I was going to go get him. And Matthew said, no, Dad, I'll go. He goes up, he climbs up the way he did, and he sets his feet, and he grabs Nathan's hand, and between them both, he gets back up on top, and they come down the same way they went up. And, I mean, it was an adventure. Nathan said I was up there thinking about taking a jump. If he had tried to jump, he had rolled down and he had killed himself. He said, I actually heard his mom that called the ranger he said, Mom, did you know they have female park rangers and a woman could have come and, and rescued me? <laughs> Man, he, he, he wasn't ready for that. But we were driving on up, and we, I asked him, and this on video, what have you learned? And he said, you better go down the same way you got there. You know, there's a lot of lessons and stuff like that. And, uh, but mountain climbing, Nathan could have stood a lesson on mountain climbing. So I want to give it to you today. Now, it's not like that, but it's from an example of a mountain climber at 85 years of age, Caleb. So I want to tell you the story. Caleb is, he and Nehemiah are my two favorite Old Testament heroes. I sometimes I like Nehemiah and sometimes I like Caleb. It's according to which one I'm preaching on. And uh, so, but I love Caleb. And, you know, I, I really wanted to name one of our sons Caleb. And Jan, not that she doesn't like the name, she didn't like what it meant, dog-like. It really means dog-like. And uh, so our youngest son, Micah, and, and his wife, Jennifer, they had their first son, and they named him Caleb. And uh, so Caleb is, and he's trying to live up to his name, I tell you that right now. So I, I want to share this message with you. And, and in Numbers 13, you'll find the story of the 12 men. Let me share some of that. It, it's a lengthy reading, so I'm not going to read all of it, but listen to it. Chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send me to spy out the land of Canaan, and I'm given to the that I'm given to the children of Israel. One person from each, each tribe of the fathers, you shall send a man. Now, he gives the list, and the only two names that you'll find familiar is in verse 6, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, and then, if you look a little further in verse 8, from the tribe of Ephraim, Joshua, the son of Nun. The other ten you don't even know. I used to give a test. How many of you can name the ten spies other than Caleb? and Joshua that was sent into the land. Unless you're a Bible trivia guru, you'll never know those ten names of those men. Matter of fact, I'm jumping ahead. They die pretty quick after they get back. doesn't take long for God to take care of them in a negative way. But here they are, and they go into the land. 
Now, when they came back to Kadesh Barnea, verse 27 of chapter 13, they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit, a cluster of grapes hanging from a pole. Nevertheless, that's the problem. You need to underline that or highlight that. Are you a nevertheless person? The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, uh, the Amorites, the Canaanites, they're in the land. Then verse 30, everybody's kind of restless. Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and this is what Caleb said. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Don't you love that? Now, he's at 40 years old right now. He's old enough to know what it is. He's not young and foolish, and he's not too old to say, we can do it and depend on everybody else to do it. He says, let us go up. Not, not you, but let us go up. We're well able. Man, I want to be that way. I want it to be that way when I'm 40. I want to be that way now, and I want to be that way when I'm 85 if I live that long. Let us go up and take the land. But then in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able, we're wimps. Oh, that's not in there, I'm sorry. We're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. How many of you have gotten used to the fact that in this world and in the world system, Christians are weaker than the, law, than the people that run the world? We are. In that sense, we'll always be weak. That's why God says the weak will become what? Strong. We'll be led. The weak will lead the stronger. The children will lead the adults. There's something that God admires in a person who has a reality of weakness, but yet they have a desire to follow God. We're not able. We're just not able. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out against, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in the, of all their men are of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak from the giants, and we were as grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? I see myself as weak, but I see my God as strong. I see myself as people that is unable to do some things, but through God's strength it can be done. How do you see yourself? Did you know you could have too foolish opinion of yourself of weak, oh, I can't do that? Or you could have too high of opinion and say, you bet I'd do it. Peter did when he says, I'll never deny you. I'll never forsake you. He stuck his chest out and I'll never. And then he denied Jesus three times in front of a young girl. Catch what I'm saying? You need to have God's opinion of who you are. That's what really counts. And then you adopt God's vision for you and your life. You can't get it on your own. On your own, you will always deviate. 
On your own, you'll always take the wrong detour. On your own, you'll not make it. But through God's strength and God's will, you can be like Caleb. You can be a giant killer. You can be a mountain climber. Verse 6 says of chapter 14, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spout is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor against the fear of the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation took up stones. Stones. That was Caleb. That was Joshua. Now, if you read the rest of the story, you'll find out God's judgment was on these ten men. They died of the plague really quick. And everybody that was of 20 years of age and older, 20 year, older than 20 years old, would die within the next 40 years. When Caleb and Joshua went into the land, Caleb had no one, he and Joshua had no one within 20 years of their age. Caleb was 20, you remember that? I mean, uh, 40? And everybody between 20 and 40 died. Only Joshua and only Caleb would get to go into the land that God brought them out to go into. Now, what made them different? That's what I want to say. And I want to talk about Caleb and three things that you know, and they're worth writing down. They're worth applying to your life. They're worth saying, Lord, I want to be that kind of a person. So they, they went with them. Let me share this with you. I saw a note that I'd forgotten. In the Bible... Did you know the majority usually gets it wrong? I know we have voting on things in a Baptist church and the majority wins. I understand it. But in the Bible, guess what? Most of the time when people voted on something, the majority was wrong. That's kind of scary, isn't it? So what does that tell you? The fewer times you vote, the better off you are. <laughs> I tell folks that all the time. I mean, get... Vote on a budget one time a year and go by that budget. And if you have to deviate, you deviate. But put some in there that you have for miscellaneous in case something comes up so you don't have to vote on it. Satan has, he gets his, he gets revved up every time he knows there's going to be a vote. He's going to work on some of those folks that are negative and, you know, oh no, they're giants. We can't do that. We can't build that building. Oh no, we can't do that. Man, they, they get their juices going when there's a vote going on. Am I speaking to somebody? I hope we're not, okay? So I tell folks, vote as few times as you can. Honestly, I think the church ought to vote on three things church-wide. The senior pastor, the church budget, and whether to build or anything connected to the building that everybody puts their investment in. I, I, I just get, every time you vote, I get weak knees hopefully it'll drive me to my knees in prayer but anyway that was that was just a note and I decided I would throw it in while I was here okay let me give you three things and these are worth remembering about Caleb about mountain climbing the difficulty did not discourage him amen 
Was it a difficult task? The answer is yes. Were they giants in the land? The answer is yes. Were the cities fortified? The answer is yes. Were they soldiers there that had been seasoned and trained? The answer is yes. Was it looked like there was no hope? The answer is yes. That's him. The difficulty did not discourage him. In 1330, he says, let us go up. Let us do that. Let us take the land. Do it immediately. And, and let us go up at once and take possession. <coughs> Have you ever heard, well, we need to pray about this? I, I agree you need to pray. But sometimes you need to just do it immediately. Because the more time between, if it is an issue of fear, the more, longer you take to do it, the longer Satan has to work in your heart of putting fear and more fear in your life. Now, I, that's not a rule of thumb, but that's something you need to look at. Is this something we really need to pray about? Do you need to really pray, pray about whether you're to tithe or not? No, you're to tithe. You may have to pray about how you're going to tithe because you're in debt. I understand that. I understand praying, oh, Lord, you've got to bring it about and you've got to give me the courage. But whether or not to do it, you don't have to pray about that. The Bible's already spoken. These things you should have done and not left the others undone. And one of those things you should have done was what? Tithe. Some of us should do more than tithe. Some of us should give more than. There's some things you don't have to worry. You don't have to pray about. Lord, should I witness for you? You need to witness. You may need to pray about when and where, but you need to witness. In here, they, they didn't mention prayer, but in a spiritual church like Friendship, and we're challenged with something like they were challenged with, most of us would say, well, we need to pray about this. No, you don't. Why? God had said, do what? Go into the land. God had already said, go into the land. He's, I, I have, this has always been a trouble for me. Why did God tell him to go and spy out the land? I think it's the same reason uh, of this. Do you remember Gideon and his army? He had to weed them out before they could fight the battle. Those that were fearful were to go what? Home. Was it 7,000 that went home at that time? And then they were to go to the river and drink. And those that got on their all fours and drank, they had to go home. Only ones that could go into the battle was those that would dip their hand in the water and bring it up to their, their mouth so they could keep their eyes open. How many was Gideon stuck with? 300? See, God specializes in weeding filths out. Everybody says, oh man, we need a huge crew. No. You want me to tell you something? Jesus did more to weed out the crowd than he did to get a crowd. Does that, I mean, it's nearly backward when what we'd study about church growth. Church growth is uh, we need to make it comfortable, make it easy. We need to make them feel at home. Jesus didn't say much about them making them feel comfortable. He says, unless you're willing to hate your father and mother, you can't be my disciple. Unless you're willing to take up your cross daily and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Jesus was weeding them out. And here, God, no doubt, he sent these spies in to help weed out those that would not go in, and a whole generation was weeded out. That's kind of scary, isn't it? 
Here he is. Difficulty did not discourage him. He was ready to go in. There were giants in the land. They were big and they were strong. Do you remember the first, like 40 years later, and it was time to go in, do you remember the first city that God had them to attack? Jericho. You know where Jericho was? Jericho was right in the middle of the nation. The hardest one to get to, and guess what? It was the most powerful one. Do you remember, I preached on this, do you remember what they had to go through to get to Jericho? They had to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. <laughs> God didn't bring them to the Jordan River when it was shallow. He brought them to the Jordan River when it was flooded and running over at the banks. God's always doing that. He sends them out into the boat, and what comes up? A storm. Is he, why, why does he do that? To reveal to him who you are? No, to reveal to you who you are. God already knows your heart. Some of you don't even know your own heart. You don't know for certain that you've been born again. You don't know for certain that there's been a time in your life when Jesus Christ came into your life. And God is placing you here today. He's let you go through some stuff so you can see where you are. So it can be revealed to you how you stand with God. Caleb, the difficulty did not discourage him. Even though there were powerful people, fortified cities, and seasoned soldiers. Secondly, disappointment did not disturb him. In chapter 14, 5 through 10, we find out that he is still going to stay. He, did, he doesn't die with the rest of his compadres and his peers. He lives. Why? Because he is right with God. Can you imagine the relationship you had with these 12 men? Those of you that have camped out together in my first church, Park Street Mission over in New Albany, the men of the church, there wasn't many of us, about six or seven. We'd go camping overnight. We'd run trout lines all night. We developed a relationship camping out that you would not believe. Till this day, when I meet one of those guys and we talk about it, we have that, man, we talk about it, how much fun it was, what all we did, and we tell there's one that got away first liar doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> These 12 men, they've gone on this camp out together. You grow close. I really do believe that Caleb and Joshua were shocked when these 10 men turned pale They'd seen the same thing. They'd gotten close to the giants. They had circled the cities. They had seen those soldiers out there practicing with their spears and the arrows. And they kept, I, Joshua and Caleb, they're going to talk about how good God is. And those ten were hearing. And when they got back, 
those ten men betrayed those two guys. Being betrayed, you, to be betrayed, it's got to be someone who's a friend. You're not betrayed by an enemy. You're betrayed by a perceived friend. You remember when Judas's chariot came up to kiss Jesus on the cheek to reveal that he was Messiah? You remember what Jesus called him? Betray us, thou friend, with a kiss. Betray us, thou friend, with a kiss. Ann Graham Lotz has written one of the most beneficial books that's helped me in my life, Wounded by God's People. That's why so many people have a hard time coming to church. You'll see some godly people out there in the friendship, Ekru, Pontotoc, Hurricane, Hurricane, better say it right, hadn't it? Uh, Cairo Community. They're good people, and they're not in church. If you talk to them, they can tell you about the Lord. They can tell you some things. But what happened? Somewhere along the line, they got hurt. My dad was one of those men for 20 years. We lived over in the edge of Cushamingo County at a place, a community called Burton. We moved to Wheeling. My dad, they had a church fuss over there at the church where they went to. Dad, one of the reasons he left, was to get away from there of some family were involved. So he moved to Willard for 10 years of my life. For the first 10 years of my life after I was born, we were not in church at all. Yet my dad, a godly man, reading the Bible, seeing him pray, hearing him pray, not in church. God was patient with him. And a church who loved him and cared for him and loved his children, loved his wife. A pastor that would just come and visit and answer the questions. My dad and three of the children that were still at home started going to church at Willard Baptist Church. On the Sunday before I got saved on the Tuesday in revival, I saw my dad. It was two Sundays ago, not the Sunday but the Sunday before, my dad walked down, asked the church to forgive him for his rebellion and his sin of not being in church. He said, I was wrong. That 12-year-old boy was standing out there watching that, embarrassed and ashamed and proud at the same time. But seven days later, that 12-year-old boy got saved. I can't help but wonder, had my dad not gotten right, if my dad hadn't admitted his sin and, and gotten right with the Lord, where would that 12-year-old boy be today? I don't know. But I thank God that my dad led the way in getting right with God. It set the tone in my life for the rest of my life. Here was Caleb. These relationships with the spies, disappointing. He was wounded. He was hurt. But he did not quit. He was, these were part of the leaders. What do you do when the leadership, when the leadership fails you, when the leadership disappoints you? It may be a pastor, it may be a deacon, it may be a Sunday school teacher, and, and they make the wrong decision. What are you going to do? You're going to follow them? You're going to get mad and take your marbles and go home? No, you stay in there. When these ten men, part of the leadership, went the wrong way, and everybody else went the wrong way except Moses and Aaron and and he and Joshua, everybody else was 
against him. He stayed strong. His fellowship with God was real. It says he wholly followed the Lord. That's what gets me. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Even in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of difficulty, he followed God. Who are you looking to? I hope you're not looking at me. I don't want to disappoint you, but if you look close enough and long enough, I will. Humanity. You glance at your leadership, but you gaze to God. You got that? You do have to look at leadership. You have to see what direction they, God's leading their leadership, where they're going. But your gaze is on God the Father. You're looking unto Him. You're looking unto Jesus, as the writer of Hebrews said, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We gaze upon Him. You know the difference in glancing and gazing? You gaze upon Him. Keep your eyes on Him. Follow Him. And that's what Caleb did. So to be a mountain climber, don't let the difficulty discourage you. Don't let the disappointment of failure discourage you. And do not let delay dishearten you. How does God answer prayer? Three ways. Yes, no, and not now. Caleb wanted to go into the land, didn't he? That was his prayer. He was saying yes, but everybody else said no, and he couldn't go up with just he and Joshua. It took the whole nation. But the delay did not dishearten him. Look at you, would you're in numbers? Take your Bible and turn to Joshua, chapter 14. They settled the land, they divided the land, and now it's time. Look at verse 6 of chapter 14 of Joshua. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. Caleb came up and said, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought that word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, I think he's overcome bitterness, don't you? He called them what? My brethren. He didn't say those fools. He didn't say those, he said, my brethren, he did not let, he, he did not let bitterness well up in his heart. That's so important. He said, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. That was Caleb's evaluation, but it was also Moses' evaluation. You've followed the Lord. You've done good. And now behold, verse 10, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said these 45 years, see, it's, they went into the land in 40 years, took them five years to settle the land, so he's 85 years old. The Lord has, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke to the word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am, this day, 85 years old. So I don't want that promise. I just need a rocking chair and a front porch. Oh, let me see if that's what he said. 
As yet I am as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke this day. For you heard of that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron. <laughs> how old was he? Eighty-five. I, I want to just tell, how many of you are 85 and older today? Anybody? 85 or older? Nobody here? Okay, you can see how. Now, what was the close besides Joshua, who was the closest person to his age? 65. But they were 20 when they were at Katie's Barnea. Now they were 65. 85! And he says, I'm as strong today as I was then. And my sight's is good. My strength is good. I'm ready to fight. And I'm ready to fight the giants. Caleb had to live with the ones who had made the bad decision. And he called them brothers. You don't have to take on the attitude of those in the world around you. You can have a different attitude. You may be in a negative <clears throat> work, but you don't have to develop their negativity. You may be in a group of people, a family, that's just yan yan all the time. You don't have to yan yan. You don't have to. Caleb chose not to. He said, no, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm wholly following the Lord. He followed him then. He followed them for 45 years, and now he's following him now. It's pretty good, isn't it? He didn't let up. He didn't quit. He didn't stop. Their bad decision didn't make him run. Sometimes it's time for members of a church to go to another church. I understand that. But if it's because of difficulty and misunderstanding, first try to work out before you tuck tail and run. Sometimes it's time to move on. You hear me? Sometimes God wants you to leave that group of people and join another group of people. I understand that. Been there. But before you do, do your best to get right with those people that have done wrong or made a bad decision. They made a bad decision, and yet he called them his brothers. Second, Caleb was kept by the presence and power of God. God has, notice he says, God has kept me for these 45 years. God has done it. He recognized God as his strength and his refuge, a very present help in the time of trouble. Isn't that pretty good? He recognized that. Did you recognize that? This morning, I was talking to some guys out there in the lobby, and we were talking about the ice and everything, and I was remembering an episode. Jan was there. We were, it, it was just the providence of God and his angels. We lived in Corinth, and it was icy. The bridges were extremely icy. I hadn't driven on ice very much at that time in my life. We were coming across a bridge there on Highway 72, crossing 45 there in Corinth, if you ever know where that is. And I don't know what I did. I don't know if I gunned it. I don't know if I put my brakes on. I don't know what I did. But our car did a 360-degree turn right there on that bridge. 
and we went around and around and went straight off, not the side, but the end where I was headed, right on 72. I, I think about that. I surely didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't trying to go the opposite way. I was just hanging on for dear life. You see, God keeps you. You say, well, why hadn't he kept me this? He does what's best. He lets some of those things happen in your life, and he's helped some of these things happen in my life. I've had wrecks before. It wasn't that one. I ran into the back end of my own wife. I, I, that's the one I wish the Lord had prevented. I mean, it was a Monday. We'd been in this restaurant, and we were headed home, and it started raining. She was in her car. I was in my truck. And so, man, we're mobile, going up that way, and she stops, and my car doesn't stop. I try to swerve and miss it, and I hit the back of her fender in the front of mine. When I call the insurance guy, both cars were affected in this accident. He said, what was the third one? I said, there's not one. Just me and my wife. Well, what'd she do? She didn't do anything. I ran into the back of her. I said, Lord, I wish you had prevented that one. But he did that one to reveal what was in me. <laughs> she has every right. Now, when we're driving, Bert, slow down. And if I, if I say something, she said, you remember, you ran into the back of me. I got it. I got it, man. So here, here it is. God does keep you. It doesn't mean he keeps you from every difficult thing that comes your way. Lost a job, illness, but he keeps you. I'm not sure for 45 years everything had been hunky-dory for Caleb. But he recognized God's hand in what? Keeping him. Are you kept by God? I'm going to give you this illustration. I know I'm got to hurry and do this. You know what they call a sheepfold? One of the words, a shepherd at night, he tries to get them into what is called a sheepfold. It's usually a place where they guard it on all three sides, and then he sleeps in the area where they can in and out. He sleeps there to keep them from wandering, and he sleeps there to keep the wolves and the bears from coming in. Not only is it called the sheepfold, Another name for it is the kept. They're kept. That word whoo, that Caleb uses is that same word. He's kept me all this time. He's been my shepherd. Before David ever knew that he was his shepherd, Caleb knew that God was his shepherd. And he has stayed there protecting me, letting in and out that which should be let in and out. The Lord has kept me all these years. Finally, Caleb was ready to do what he was meant to do. There's two things Caleb wanted to do more than anything else. Whoop up on some giants and take them out. He didn't get to do it 45 years ago, guys. Y'all know that? He was ready, what, 45 years ago? What does he say here? I'm as ready now as I was then. That's awesome, isn't it? I'm as ready now as I was then. My heart's desire is still to do the will of God. One of my heroes is Vance Havner. He preached a sermon 
home before dark. First time I ever heard him preach it. Just, I was 20, maybe early 30s. And he preached it. And he was telling me he's preaching to a bunch of us pastors. And he said, I want to be faithful to the very end. I want to get home to heaven before I would bring shame on the church and my Savior. I remember he gave an invitation to a bunch of us pastors. And I remember me and a bunch of other guys. We were out there and he gave the invitation. We made the way to the altar. We would kneel and we pray. And I prayed, oh God, I don't want to give up. I don't want to shut up. I want to be faithful to the end. In 2018, I've learned this. You take one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, and now one year at a time. Amen? How many of you are ready to climb some mountains? There'll be some mountains in your life. There'll be some giants in your life. You will trust the Lord with all your heart, not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Not only will he direct your paths, he'll bring you through. Amen? He'll bring you through. I'm as strong today as I was then. So at 85, he said to Joshua, Give me that mountain. <laughs> I don't know what that does for y'all. It energizes me. It makes me look at 2018 with anticipation. I don't know what's going to occur. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. Amen. Here's the challenge. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. All the things that happened to you in 2017 that were difficult was to let you examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. The second thing I, I, I challenge you to do is give 2018 to the Lord. You can do it where you are, but you may do what I did when I heard Vance Havener and I had to go to the altar and I said, Lord, I want to be faithful to the end. You may come up and you say, Bird, I want to be faithful to the end, but right now I want to take 2018. I want to be faithful this coming year. I want to be faithful in church. I want to be faithful in my witness. I want to be faithful in my missions. I want to be faithful to my wife. I want to be faithful to my husband. I want to be faithful. And I'm coming forward and I'm kneeling and I'm making it public and on to everybody that I need your prayers because on my own I'll fail. But with God's help, I'll take the land and I won't be discouraged. You need to move your membership to this church. Man, I'm ready to be a part of Friendship Baptist Church. The church is missional. They love Jesus. The word is taught. This is where I belong. If God spoke in your heart, would you come? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would have your way, that we would listen to you, that we would not turn to the left or right, but we would keep our gaze upon you. I pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.